Hello, everyone. Welcome to This Must Be the Place, the Building Science Podcast. I'm your host, Shauna Henderson. Each episode is a deep conversation with a carefully chosen peer about not just houses, but place. Yeah, of course we talk about houses and retrofits, but we also want to change the industry for the better, forever. Energy poverty, community engagement, industry disruption, societal responsibility, and climate change. It's all here and so much more. Welcome back to This Must Be The Place, the Building Science Podcast. I'm your host, Shauna Henderson. My guest today is Gabby Kalapos, the Executive Director at Clean Air Partnership in Toronto. Her hard work and dedication is changing the energy efficiency landscape at the community level. For more than 25 years, she's been advocating on behalf of communities for local governments to take action in their sustainable advancement. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much, Shauna. Wonderful to be here with you. Yeah, I'm excited to have a good conversation. I've got to say, I am absolutely loving having these conversations and getting all the things that all my fingers are in, getting all those people's information and, and knowledge out into the world. So, so let's talk a little bit about your background first. I understand when you began your studies, there was no such thing as environmental studies. So what did you, how did you cobble this together without a real thing? I would say that there's always been something as uh, such as environmental studies, but there was there wasn't a formal program in the university that I went to, and there wasn't formal programs of environmental studies or environmental sciences at the time I was in university, which just speaks to how long <laughs> how long ago that was. <laughs> it's like they, in 1944. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but I was really, really glad actually um, when I was looking at what is it that I wanted to spend my life um, dedicating my time to, finding something that really made me feel that I was making a difference or contributing to improving the environment and the world that we live in was really, really core to something I was looking for. And environmental geography was the direction I headed in because there wasn't environmental sciences or environmental studies. And I, I realized I was actually landed in the right place when I was reading, realized I was reading my textbooks for, in, for, for education and entertainment purposes. I was reading <laughs> nice. them on my own time. And I thought, oh, maybe I did make a good choice here. Right on. That's great. So what, what, what's, What's the core thing that, that drove you into that work? Like, like, how did you know that that's what you wanted to do? Well, I think that, I think that there's a lot of, a lot of times when you look around the world and you see opportunities for how we can improve things. And I've always had uh, a love of being outdoors. I had a love of um, science and um, environmentalism brought the two together. And also it's just that goal of wanting to have something, not to wake up every morning to sell something that doesn't really feed your, or to kind of sell something that doesn't feed your soul. You need things that feed your soul that make you feel like the work you're doing is um, doing, is improving the lot of the world, or even if it is in your small little um, neighborhood that you're doing it, but that 
being able to contribute to improving things or making the world a better place at whatever scale you're able to do it at is something that I think is really, really important. And it feeds our soul. Yeah, that comes back to the Margaret Mead quote, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So tell me about Clean Air Partnership. Was this your baby right from the beginning? No, actually, been, it's been around for about 20 years, 20, 20 odd years. Um, I've been there for a long time, actually, probably one of my longer relationships out of my, outside of my children. <laughs> <laughs> but I've been there for about 17 years. And the Cleaner Partnership is a charitable environmental organization. And our modus operandi is really to work with municipalities and their various partners to help them um, increase the ambition and implementation of their clean air and climate change actions. And one of the ways we go about trying to do that is that we, um, when any municipality undertakes their clean air and climate change action, we get them to share what they're doing with all the other municipalities. And then we would ask the question, if one of you can do it, what would stop all of you from doing it? And then... Bringing the collective effort together, municipal staff would identify all the issues and barriers that they're facing, and then we would work collectively to address them so that when it was when it was aiming to reduce the duplication that takes place by working right. individually and working in our silos and bringing right. all of our collective efforts together. And is this specific to Ontario? It is specific to Ontario. We do work because there's so many other great organizations advancing this work within different regions of Canada. One of the things we do is we try and partner with other organizations advancing this work and then bring our efforts together. Nice. Um, so, there's, the, so, so there's just the, 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 the nesting doll piece there. Yeah, I get it. Yeah. Very nice. Yeah, it's really what we need. It's, I mean, desperately what we need is to have those kind of connections. I know already, even in the building industry itself, we're all siloed, right? So what's going on in one place is not necessarily what's going on in the other. Um, But even within a building, even in the construction or retrofit of a building, people don't know what what everybody else is doing. So, Yeah. 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 And, 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 you know, I understand like right now, all, many of our, um, our spheres of influence or the work that we do is siloed. And I think it hap- the silos happen because is specialized. There's so much and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that we, there's no way that any person can be an expert in, you know, a number of different realms. So people specialized in their area of expertise. And that specialization has had some value. I mean, for crying out loud, we landed a spaceship on a comet. Like, you couldn't do that if you didn't actually specialize. <laughs> yeah, of course, of course. <laughs> and there's some things that come out of that specialization. But in the, as we try and advance to collect, to addressing these very complex, um, challenging issues, that silo is going to hurt us, and we really mm-hmm. need to work collectively across and break down those silos to address these kind of complex collective um, challenges that we face. Yeah, I think, in, and, you know, where we are, where, because we met through the retrofit training 
Yeah, the oh, retrofit training network. Network, yes. I was trying to think if there's more words in there, but yeah. <laughs> and well, there so is, really, like the residential yeah. energy efficiency retrofit training network, which is there the reason we just call it the retrofit training network. <laughs> <laughs> right. I was trying to think of the official thing. Um, yeah, and so we're talking, there's, you know, technical nerds like me, and then there's people who are working with marginalized communities and people who are administering programs and you know this is a it's a fantastic mix of people that within that group so that's how you and I met and I really appreciate um being able to be involved in that and getting to gobble up airtime in those those precious hours that we have meetings um because and we this definitely super... appreciate you having you on the network as well <laughs> thank you but this is you know retrofitting homes this is the big piece right this is this is where we hit most of our uh, most people, yep. whether they are renters or owners, um, we've got like you know over a dozen different uh, jurisdictions in terms of like the building codes and you know and then dozens and dozens of of variations in in themes in terms of we're a big city, we're a small city, we're a rural municipality. We're this, we're that, but there's a lot of commonality. So I think we're, you know, that's what we really need. And um, and I know that you know you've said in the past that res- the residential sector has been neglected, and that homeowners need handholding support when it comes to navigating that world. And I totally agree. And I think we're really in a place where we need to find different different ways of tackling that problem. So do you want to talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, I mean, it, it's every single municipality, like every single level of government recognizes the sheer importance of our existing building stock and making them more energy efficient. And and that as a climate change solution is absolutely imperative. What I find super exciting about this sector is that it's not only a GHG climate change initiative, it is a so it is able to advance so many different policy goals that we have, mm-hmm. you know, like one of them, it's a huge job creation opportunity because it's relatively labor intensive, this type of work. Right. Um, it's really it, hard to outsource it. And you can't outsource this. You've got to have local people doing this work for you because those buildings are not going to be shipped anywhere <laughs> Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it has to be a really it, like it's a really wonderful local economic development opportunity. In addition, these are not products that you can buy off Amazon. So that does result in local economic development. Mm-hmm. So that's another value add associated with this. In addition, we do not have enough of the labor uh, labor that we need in terms of skilled labor to mm-hmm. be able to deliver on the demand that we need to build to advance this effort at the scale we need to advance it. So in addition to that, it is a wonderful opportunity for new um, for new target audiences to come into this sector, which doesn't have a huge amount of diversity in it. You mm-hmm. know, like there's a very kind of like, you know, we don't have enough women in here. We don't have enough people of color. We don't have enough indigenous people. We don't, this is a huge opportunity for advancing a whole bunch of different policy goals that we have while also saving people money and addressing our climate change um, opportunities. And taking people out of energy poverty and doing all that. That that whole piece of equity. Yeah. Is really important. Yeah. Yeah. And so, 
from from when you're talking to people in the within the partnership when someone comes to you and says they want to retrofit their home but they don't know what to, where to start what's the first thing that they need to do from your perspective <laughs> yeah i i would agree on that one we kind of like say oh res- um, a retrofitting our building stock is really important and good luck with that people <laughs> <laughs> and that's not a program that you know that we yeah, need to be doing we know that. you'll do the right thing <laughs> I mean, what? if you look at, oh, sorry, yeah. <laughs> no, no, I was just, I was just laughing at, you know, this, the whole concept of, of, uh, yeah, here, this is a great thing and you need to do this and go do it. Yeah, good luck. Like, yeah. <laughs> That's where I come in. Wait, 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 it's the building science. It's the building science. <laughs> But it means, you know, you think about it from the perspective, um, we've made a lot more advancements in the industrial sector and in the commercial sector when it comes to energy efficiency. Um, I'm not saying we don't have a lot more to go. We absolutely do have a huge amount of um, uh, 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 energy efficiency opportunities we need to advance in those sectors as well. But because they're larger entities, they are able to kind of get kind of more expertise. They can bring a consultant in. They can hire an energy advisor who can help them do this work for them. There's mm-hmm. a scale of kind of efficiency that they can achieve because they can do that. Now, when you think of the residential customer, this is not something that their house is, a, you know, a smaller entity. In order mm-hmm. for them to build the business case, they can't hire a consultant to do this work for them. So in order for them to undertake an energy efficiency um, um, retrofit, they actually have to become their consultant. And that is a part-time job they have to take on to figure that all out. Mm-hmm. In addition, there's a huge learning curve for them to do that. And so there's a huge amount of, of, yeah, and I mean, the, the amount of unnecessarily purposeful misinformation, but myths and fallacies that get pushed forward that people hang on to, or even the the whole sort of like, falling in love with technology, right? Mm-hmm. People fall in love with geothermal systems. That's what I want. It's like, well, if you're going to spend, you know, 10, 15, 20, 30,000 dollars on your home, I can tell you where you're going to get a bigger bang for your dollar in all sorts of other places. Yeah. Um, you know, I want PV on my roof. Very sexy. Very sexy. Really conspicuous act, right? It's on the outside of my house. It's not the best use of your dollar. Nope. Right? I so, mean, energy efficiency is a, is a no-brainer, but it is disruptive. And mm-hmm. that's the difference, right? You're living in your house. Your home is your sanctuary. Now you're going to be undertake an energy efficiency retrofit, and that's going to be disruptive to your life for a period of time. And it does seem like we're more inclined to accept disruption when it's something we can see and we can show off to our friends at our next dinner party mm-hmm. or other people in the neighborhood can see the work that we're doing. We're human beings. We are, you know, herd animals. We, you know, there's no doubt about it that we have to use human nature to support that rather than, you know, like, we got to use human nature to help us undertake these energy efficiency retrofits. And part of that is helping people to kind of create a little bit of a competition with their neighborhood um, to advance these efforts or show them off or can engage in their conversations. PV panels can be seen from the from the from the street. Um, um, well, geothermal can't be seen from the street, but it's a kind of new technology and it's cool. But mm-hmm. building envelope, no one sees it. 
Um, you, it's very hard to show off at your next dinner party. This is what I just recently did, and you have no no hardwood floors to show off, no countertops to show off. It's like my 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 building envelope is it's got a sweater on, and it's kind of hard to you know show that off <laughs> and use that to. You're not going to start waving your power bills around. <laughs> Look at this. Well, maybe we could. I don't know. Maybe we could do that. Like, like, because I know that you talk about it a lot about, and I've talked about it before, is that the early adopters are who's going to, you know, we're still in that phase. I can't believe, you know, all the years that you've been in this part of the world, of this part of the industry, and, and same with me, that we're still in this place where we're, 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 we're still at that early part of the marketing yeah. curve. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, 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 it's sometimes it's impossible. I think, how does this, how does this work? That after I've spent nearly all of my adult life in this field with all of these clever people and all of this amazing information we have, that we are still at this place where people sort of fold their arms and say, hmm, show me. So yeah, we've got a, we still have a pretty hefty place, bunch of work to do to get to the point where you know the 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 level playing field becomes a, a an appropriate way of looking at this because right now there's not a level playing field in terms of what's what's important and, and sorry or what's what's expensive and what's not expensive right um especially in Ontario where you have fairly inexpensive natural gas that fires a huge number of yeah. uh, furnaces and water heaters the expensive part of that is what is going up the chimney and out into the atmosphere. Yep. So the level playing field was between that and clean energy or no energy, a megawatt, right? So something that mm-hmm. we're not using energy. We don't have that yet. We don't have the, the way to frame that up yet. Yeah. And and also one of the, the ways we are at present still building the value proposition for property owners to do their energy efficiency retrofits by only considering the energy cost savings that they mm-hmm. um, and that's part of the the, comp, the the mix that gets brought into that business case for them. But there's many other value propositions that come from energy efficiency that we don't put a a business or value proposition onto right. in the traditional sense of that. But you know, but they're often far more appreciated in many ways by the property owner and the homeowner than other many of the other initiatives. So for example, yes, everybody wants to save money on their energy costs. But um, th- there's like, what about the, uh, the option of actually having uh, a more comfortable home that mm-hmm. is cooler in summertime and warmer in wintertime to avoid those more uncomfortable times of the year? How about um, more square footage in our homes? Because now we can put our chair by the window and not sweat in summertime or freeze or in freeze. wintertime. That mm-hmm. gives us more ability to enjoy our homes. I've heard from the kind of one of the things that we don't we don't do enough of a job on selling those value propositions to homeowners. And let's say, for example, how much quieter your house is with better insulated windows and keeping the noise out in addition to keeping the heat or the coolness out. Right. Right. So all right. Of and those then are if values. you have you've got fresh air coming in, you have better indoor air quality of a healthier uh, indoor environment. Yeah. How does that, um, you know. The, all those what you know non-energy benefits are huge, and and I've said in in past episodes I've quoted a few um, 
surveys that have come out over you know over several years the first time i ever bumped into this was like in the, it it was probably like somewhere around like the year 2000 i was at some conference in the states and somebody mentioned non-energy benefits and the fact that what in the states when they talk about um air sealing and insulation they're often turned in couched in the term weatherization mm-hmm. and that folks who take part in these weatherization programs when there's uh they go through surveys and say what what was the greatest benefit to them energy efficiency is in the top 10 but comfort improved health safety durability all hit in the top five always 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 so we need to as a whole industry really pay attention to that and 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 market this kind of work as a way to improve your life oh and by the way it's going to also improve your pocketbook because it's really you know like if i've got a kid who's got asthma and i could put a certain amount of money into the house and know that I have done something that's going to reduce the um, the health effects on my kid, but then it's also going to reduce things like I don't have to spend as much on, on medicine. It's going to put less, uh, less of a load on the hospital system, on the medical system. Like if we could pull all of these, you know, the value of all of these non-energy benefits into place, and add those to the mix and say, well, when you, when you, you know, you drop your energy load by 30%, it's not just those dollars there. It's all of these things that like that, that kind of calculation is beyond my little head, but I can tell you that it's there. Definitely there. It's definitely there. And it's hard for homeowners to wrap their heads around that, right? Because mm-hmm. I've one of the things I found quite interesting is when you're engaging with homeowners before they make the decision to do a retrofit, the business case or the financials of energy savings are what motivates them the most, right? And that's Mm -hmm. a a very important part of their decision-making process. But what I found super interesting is at the end, when they've done their energy efficiency retrofit, they don't speak about the energy savings anymore. That's irrelevant to them. That's a bonus. That's a bonus. What they talk about is how much more comfortable they are in their house, how much quieter it is, how, you know, like those are more intangible pieces resonate far more with them. So what I think is something that we're going to have to do as we move, as we try and make the changes in the scale of the bell curve of where we need to go in terms of driving uptake to these types of initiatives, is I think we're going to have to really call on those early adopters who have done those energy efficiency projects to pitch and explain why they did it and the, what they value they got out of it to future prospective folks who are planning to do their energy efficiency retrofit. Because we can do it as we're trying to pitch them on the retrofit, and but we're, we're not completely unconflicted. Our goal is to get retrofits happening. Mm-hmm. So I think it's going to be really, really important for us for us to actually engage with those who are the early adopters who have done this work to share their stories with future folks who are, we're hoping will be undertaking energy efficiency retrofits. Okay, let's go. What are, what are the big projects you're working on for 2022 to actually move all this stuff forward? Well, we've been working on advancing home energy efficiency retrofit financing programs for about 10 years now. 
And um, I, I am a little bit embarrassed that we only have two in Ontario at present. We have the city of Toronto that has their home, you know, that uh, the Better Homes program, and the city of Ottawa just launched their Better Homes um, program, which is a home retrofit financing program. What I find really important about these municipal programs is they put a lot more emphasis on the energy coaching, the handholding mm-hmm. of the customers. Um, you know, how would, you know, where do I start? You know, where do I find the right energy auditor to start as the first process to get myself, get an energy audit to do the pre-audit? Once I get the pre-audit, how do I actually read this energy audit report? How do I decide which measures are going to make sense from an economic perspective? Which measures make sense from what things I want to do in my home anyway? Or which rooms I want to, you know, uh, take on if I don't want to do the whole house all at once? Um, or what kind of, you know, what are the, what are the kind of measures that make sense in terms of the assets I have? If my air conditioner is coming to its end of life, what kind of things do I want to take into consideration? Do I get another air conditioner or do I use that as an opportunity to get rid of my air conditioner and get an yes, air source heat pump? And then that air source heat pump can do dual action and it can cool my home far more efficiently than an air conditioner can. And in addition, it can reduce the need I need to call on fossil fuels to heat my home in the winter time. Um, you know, those are the types of things. So bringing it in for helping homeowners develop the roadmap that they need for understanding when are the critical decision points um, and and which are the actions that I need to do and what's the sequence that makes the most sense for mm-hmm. me if I can't make if I can't do it all at once. Yeah, yeah, I think sequencing is the big thing, you know, because I we've we've come across you know over the years that I've been in the industry and and working on on retrofits that you come into a house and you like or a building, you know. It doesn't have to be just a house, but you come into a building and they're like, yeah, we had the windows replaced last year. Oh, great. What did you replace them with? Well, we replaced them with double panes with, you know, Argonne and, and Louis. I was like, okay, but we're, you know, if you're not in Vancouver, that is not the best option, right? Because you're, you're, you, you should have, with a little tiny bit of push, you might have actually gone to a triple pane because you know the challenge, and here's the the other big thing is that you don't see huge amounts of energy savings from windows, mm-hmm. right? So energy windows are always a hard, challenging thing for people to consider because they are so expensive. If your windows are at the end of their life, yeah. you need to do it, and you need to put as much money as you can possibly put into that. Not because you're going to save energy, but because your comfort level is going to jump exponentially you'll and so you'll be able to sit by that window in the heat of summer and in the cool of cold of winter and so so the the actual square footage that you're able to use increase but on the same side i've been uh, struggling with one building um a couple uh that we've been working with where two years prior to us coming in to look at doing a deep energy retrofit the owner took advantage of, uh, of an incentive program and had windows replaced, was recommended that they had all of their windows replaced. So they have these, you know, they're okay, middle of the road performance windows, but they're new windows. And the building two years before we came into play already needed to have new siding. It had old shingles. It's a 1960s building. The shingles are, are, are original to the building. They are trash. 
But now to do that retrofit, if we're going to strip the the shingles and put um, exterior insulation over that, now we have the struggle of how do we make sure that those windows are weatherproofed, right? So, So there's an additional cost to doing the right thing for the rest of the building. So there's these weird disconnects between what's available in incentive programs and what, um, you know, who's, whoever's coming in and doing that consult is most interested in selling potentially. Mm-hmm. Um, and what's the right thing to do for the building? So, you know, leave those windows as is until you are going to actually do the whole hog and do the insulation underneath new siding and windows at the same time, right? That makes so much more sense and doesn't short circuit things or, you know, go after low, low hanging fruit. So, I mean, you know, conversely, not changing out windows, but putting insulation on the outside is also a challenge. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, it's complicated. So and that, that's the reason that homeowners need help with this. Mm-hmm, it is mm-hmm. very complicated to understand yeah. what makes the most sense for your home with your own budget, with your own kind of sequencing of what you're willing and able to do. And it, and it also gives them that help. Yeah, because it also leads to the, oh, chuck it, I'm just going to put a geothermal system in, right? Because I can't think of all of these other things. And I keep going back to that. I'm not trying to demonize a geothermal system. No, <laughs> but I'm, it is, I'm a huge fan of it. <laughs> but there is, there's one, it's one piece that people quite often come to me and say, I want to do this. And it's like, you know, you could, if you, if you took that money that you're willing to put into that one piece of equipment and threw that onto your envelope and put a really good sweater around it, you know, light bulbs and farts, like eat beans, yeah. your house is warm. Kind of a yeah, small, I, I, small I understand, though, the motivation for homeowners, for the mechanical systems. And the reason I think that motivates people is because it's easy and not disruptive. Mm-hmm. Let's face it. Building envelope work is disruptive. It, like, it's your home. It's where you live. You don't mm-hmm. want disruption in your home. It's interesting that people are, like, even when you're, even when you're willing to handle a disruption because you're doing a renovation, it's always interesting to me that people are willing to do the renovation for many other reasons and be disrupted, but not for energy efficiency. You know, I, like, mm-hmm. I don't quite understand why we view it differently versus hardwood floors or, you know, I mean, painting, I understand it's cheap and it makes a huge difference really quick. Like I love immediate gratification. I am not one to to (laughs) not immediate gratification. If you can find it, go, go for it, you know, but we do have to recognize that there's the, the importance of the building envelope is not something that we really um, explain to homeowners very well at all. Mm -hmm. Um, We don't do, you know, in terms of home inspections, they don't even look at that kind of component to it either, right, for the most part. So we have a lot of work to help people understand the importance of the building envelope and the integrity of their building envelope. Right. I think that's one of the big things that we could actually, um, you know, that's a real, really strong selling point is if you're actually going to do the work and you, and you, you, you focus on a building envelope improvement, you have just increased the lifespan of the building and reduced maintenance and increased the value, right? You you have that's long-term value because anytime you put in hardwood floors or a new kitchen, the value of that degrades really quickly, especially kitchens and especially things like granite countertops, right? Because as soon as you scratch them, I mean, it just, you know, it's just, 
these, but, you know, obviously we're visual creatures and, um, you know, there's nothing nicer than going, coming into a nice brand new kitchen that you love. Brick walls. I mean, come on. Who doesn't love that? Yeah. 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 Or, you know, like, and, and then, and that's very sort of, you know, middle class of us to say that even just like no holes in a wall bonus points right yeah <laughs> you know so so moving up and down those this you know um, the scale of what does your income allow you to do um and and how can you be best served by an incentive program you need to have access to money to do yeah. any of this work. Hence the importance so, of financing as a component. Like, in all honesty, we don't care where people get the money to do their energy efficiency retrofits. That's irrelevant to us. We just want the energy efficiency retrofits done. But we know that upfront capital cost is one of the biggest barriers that people face in terms mm-hmm. of doing their energy efficiency retrofit. It's not the only one. We know there's other ones, like in terms of, you know, understanding what to do, taking on such a huge endeavor and a part-time job to manage this renovation as over time, um, you know, the disruption it brings to your life. I often joke with folks, I was like, you know what never gets brought into the business case of undertaking a renovation? And they're like, what? And I'm like, the risk of divorce. That's true. It's true. I can tell you, I actually probably. It's your home is your sanctuary. You want to come home in, and enjoy it. You don't want to be having clutter and mess all around you. And that is what happens when you're doing a renovation or a retrofit. There's going to be clutter and mess for a period of time. And that's just something well, you're going to have and, to deal with. And seriously conflicting decisions, yeah. too. Because I know that uh, in, in the years that I've been a designer and and consultant to people, I've actually probably earned about three honorary, honorary degrees in you know, marriage counseling and psychology because holy yeah. crap, when you become the third part of that, you know, you you become the the point of the triangle or you know whatever the third wheel. Well, it's it's hard to manage that. So that's also something you know that that when we're talking about you you talked about coaching earlier, that the the people who take on that role whether they're the energy advisor or an, an energy coach or a concierge or whatever term we're going to use for that, really need to have a whole raft of people skills as well as technical yeah. skills. So, you know, we need to find ways that we're not looking for a whole bunch of unicorns, right? People who can do all of that work. That's impossible. We're not going to get anywhere with that. So, yeah, talking about silos again, eh? <laughs> well, yeah, and I think there's going to be like uh, we're going to have to grow into this. This is just the bait. Like this is a this is a market at its baby stage. This is mm-hmm. still like a little tiny baby. We haven't even reached this toddler stage. I can't wait like till I get to the toddler stage on this one because at least we've been making progress. But like for example, if you if right now if a homeowner wants to do it and they if they want to go part of the greener homes program, there isn't an energy con- coach component to it, right? In addition, there isn't a financing component to it. Mm -hmm. So there's an equity issue associated with these government programs in the sense that it's going towards people who have the cash flow that they need to be able to pay the upfront costs associated with all these measures and then wait for their incentive to come back to them. But if you're someone who doesn't have that cash flow who can manage that, then you're immediately cut off from these incentives. And too bad for you. There it is. That's the that's the option that's available. And that's a real shame because it's a huge equity issue. And it's been the way these programs are delivered. So financing as a core component of their energy efficiency retrofit program is critical because it helps to create more equity in the playing field. And it's not just for those folks 
it, the incentives are not just for the folks who can afford to pay the upfront capital costs and the cash flow to manage the retrofit until they get the incentive back. Yeah, I think that's that's huge, and that was that's really you know one of the things that's really fraught about the the greener homes initiative is that is that it is very distinctly in that in that place where you need to have you know it's not you don't get the grant up front you have to prove you know you have to do the work and then you get the money back so and five thousand dollars doesn't go anywhere so you're probably looking actually at you know twenty thousand dollars project to to actually move to that to to a deeper retrofit and you get five thousand back so you have to have access to twenty thousand dollars right off the top I am not in a place where I can't (laughs) do that, you know, Um, you know, and even if you even if you have the the credit available, you know, the financing capacity to borrow that money, then, you know, how long are you borrowing that money for in a a standard, you know, um, institutional financing pattern? and how much energy are you saving? You know, is it making, is your cash flow yeah. in, is, is it neutral change so that you've dropped your energy use and your lending, um, your financing charges leave you at the same place in your cash flow? Um, because that's, that's the bare minimum we need, right? That is the bare minimum. It's kind of like what we're trying to do is achieve a free retrofit. I'm putting the free in quotes. Right. For our listeners at home. (laughs) (laughs) And what I mean by that is that it's using your, you're provided with financing if you want it, or you can use your money. It's your choice. We don't care where that happens. But for those folks who want to, don't have the upfront capital to, to front all this work, the money to front all this work, what we can do is then find, loan the money to the homeowner. The homeowner undertakes the energy efficiency retrofit processes, and then they can pay back that loan over whatever time period they want. But ideally, especially for folks who cash, uh, cash, you know, and cash um, payments would be an issue. Your the goal is is that you're replacing costs related to energy prices with energy with repayments on your loan for your energy efficiency initiatives so really you're just moving cash from paying for energy and often just fossil budget. fuels or like you know right. and moving that to pay your loan for your more um your your more robust building envelope right so the money is going to is is staying in your essentially it's 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 to your betterment yeah i mean this is this is a a modified version of an energy services company model so it's, it's yeah. and it and it makes a lot of sense and if you have the the you know and, the, and that's where the challenge is, is in 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 traditional or conventional financing is that you don't have the open end right you have to it's it's a five-year period or it's a 10-year or it's on your mortgage it's amortized over x number of years and you must make those payments and you must do this 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 whereas if you say well i've got say i've got a I'm going to say I'm just a random number, $1,000 that I spend on energy right now um, per month. I'm going, if I can now flip that so I've got $300 worth of financing charges and $700 worth of of energy fees, then I'm I'm not changing anything, but the more that I can put down, you know, there's going to be an end to the financing piece. 
right? So, and then so after, after that, that the savings for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, ideally, it would be lovely if somebody would take that money and then hoard it for a while and put it towards deeper energy retrofits. But we know what's going to happen, right? Because it happens all the time. I have an extra three hundred bucks in my pocket. I'm going to go. I'm going to take my family out to dinner. I'm going to take my kids to a movie. I'm going to save that up and I'm going to go away for a weekend, right? So, I mean, it makes it's a it's a quality of life thing too, right? It, it, yeah. it allows it can allow you to to improve, use money in the ways that make sense for you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. But like, we still got to help them figure it all. And I'm like, for example, yes. like, how do you start this? Like, I know you're saying like, okay, so you get a homeowner calling and they're like, okay, what do I do? I want to do this energy efficiency. First thing you got to do. All right. Get yourself an auditor. Uh, if you want to, if you want to be, you know, part of a, you know, the pre to understand where your starting point is. Mm-hmm. And then that will help you give you a little bit of guidance. But then even when you get your Anarchan audit report back, which is not the easiest to read, I might add. Even then, you got to kind of, you need some help to figure out what does this make sense? Like, what does this mean in terms of my next initiatives? So then that would be the, and you need someone objective because you might be asking your contractor, even if you have a really good relationship with a contractor, they may not know energy efficiency in the Mm -hmm. way that you're going to need them to know energy efficiency for them to help you identify which ones make the most sense for you, uh, which measures are the ones that you're going to, you should be doing and what sequence should you be doing them? Yeah. And the good thing about having an energy coach that's available as part of a program is that it's subjective opinions. It's, 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 we're not, you know, no, we're not trying to sell you anything on this one. What you decide to do in your home is what you decide to do in your home. Yes, we have an objective that we want you to go and do as deep a retrofit as you possibly can, but it's ultimately up to you what you decide to do. And then the question comes in, what are you going to do from a cash perspective? What makes sense for financially based on your present energy costs? But you also need to bring in what's my future energy costs and with mm-hmm. carbon pricing, what is that going to mean to my fossil fuel costs over time? And how can I bring that into my decision making at this point in time? Because when if I'm going to go to an air source heat pump, that's not going to be just here for now. It's going to be with me for the next 15 odd years. So that's energy prices are going to be very different at 15 years from now than they are at present. So you want to bring and- that into your decision making, too. And this is the point where everybody's head just explodes and they go, screw it. I'm just going to, I don't know. I'm going to take my money and go somewhere warm for a week. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a lot. I'm just going to go buy booze and forget about my problems. (laughs) Well, there's that too. That too. Absolutely. Um, Yeah. So, so this is all available or this information and the coaching system is, is, well, keeping in mind, it's still at the, again, we are still at the very early. We only have two programs in market at present in Ontario that have that energy coaching um, uh, uh, offering for homeowners. We are working to get a lot more programs into market. Um, I will admit in Ontario, we faced a little bit of a sad situation in that we previously had a cap and trade program that had revenue that was available to advance these types of energy efficiency me- measures in Ontario. And um, we, I often joke around is like when we had a change in government, they got rid of the cap and trade program and they got rid of all the programs that were available to advance climate action. Um, but, and then, and that they got rid of the organization called Green On, which was going to be advancing mm-hmm. a province wide home energy efficiency retrofit program. And I joke around and saying, but 
it, it turned out that green on became green off and all of those programs were lost to the market. So we kind of licked our wounds for a period of time, about six months, trying to figure out what are we going to do? Because these programs are not cheap to run. They mm-hmm. are like to provide that handholding to customers is, is, a, is a resource intensive um, undertaking. And thankfully, um, the federal government um, provided the Federation of Canadian Municipalities with re- with funding to help support municipal advancement of, of energy efficiency retrofit programs. Mm-hmm. And financing is a core component of that because we recognize the, the issue with regards to equity and not providing financing for folks who want to undertake this work. Um, and one of the one of the goals on this one is that it does a net, one of the benefits associated with community programs and advancing community programs. Um, well, there's some negatives in the sense that it will result in some additional duplication and you lose some efficiency of scale opportunities. But on the silver lining side of this is that you do get these more community based programs that can be more responsive to their customer base. And let's face it, government programs are not set up to be customer oriented. Mm -hmm. They're set up to make sure that it works for the government. And it's public tax dollars going to these programs. So they've got to be transparent. They've got to be accountable. They've got to make sure that it's achieving the policy goals for what, like, this is, this is our dollars being spent on this. We want to make sure it's spent in the right way. So there's got to be a fair amount of due diligence associated with energy with any government um, program. But one of the things that's good about these community programs is that there's going to be the availability to be more creative and be more customer oriented than there is than you can have in a federal greener homes program, which has to meet a whole variety of different people's needs, you know. So I think that there's going to be, especially when we're at the early stage of this building this market, that creativity and that customer oriented orientation will be really, really important to learn from because there's three critical questions that we don't yet have the answers to. And the first one is what gets a person to undertake an energy efficiency retrofit program? Like what is the critical factors that they they need to have answered to get them to a yes? And, uh, you know, we, we can, we have some, you know, we have some guesses on what those are, mm-hmm. but I think we need more real market research to understand that. The second question that I think is we really need to get a better handle on is what makes for the best customer experience possible. And these retrofit programs, we got to make them more customer oriented um, because this is hard work. And if we're not helping these homeowners do this work, then we are not going to get the uptake that we need. And it's only us who have who deserve the blame for that. It's not the homeowners. And then the third part is what gets us deeper reductions? What gets us closer to our net zero emissions that we got to do? And how do we build a more robust value proposition for homeowners to do those deeper retrofits um, and uh, uh, and um, build the value proposition both in terms of energy savings as well as all the other benefits that come from it? Yeah, that's it's absolutely. I mean, and it's been – I think we've been chasing our tail on a lot of that stuff for quite a while, and um, and it doesn't help that federally we've also had some some ebbs and flows. So you've had the Ontario, you know, green on the going boom green and off. Bust government programs, you know, like oh, yeah. for crying out loud, yeah. the boom and bust is heartbreaking. Yeah, yeah. So so the more that we can move 
away from that, you know, with the FCM, the, the Federation of Canadian Municipalities money that is looking at long term, that, you know, getting past that, the fed, it's a federal program, but it's a slightly at arm's length. Yeah. And it allows a bit more creativity that you can expand to your local market a bit better. Like when a federal government is designing a program, it's got to work just as well in Yukon as it does in uh, Halifax, you know, like, yep. so it, it's, it's, it, and those are very different in terms of like market capabilities, how many, you know, like there's a whole bunch of differences mm-hmm. across mm-hmm. a whole country that, you know, you have a little bit better opportunity to be customer oriented when you're dealing with a smaller geographical area and less differentiation between the markets. Right. And you can, you can have people who actually know the, uh, the tradespeople who are going to do the work. Um, and you have buy-in from municipalities, from regional organizations. Um, you know, here we've got the Ecology Action Center and Clean Foundation. Yeah, and then in work. Nova Scotia, we've got, um, nine different, uh, regional enterprise networks. So, you know, there's, there's definitely a lot of, 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 value to having a, a locally yeah. driven project. Um, yeah. And so, we've looked at you guys in, in Nova Scotia with Envy um, as we've been trying to advance home retrofit programs in Ontario and a lot of great learnings that we've also been able to get from um, from Nova Scotia. So thank you so much for that. Oh, well, I'll take that and say you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> but that's really, you know, that's that's been some really excellent work by um many, many, many partners in getting those PACE programs up and running in the municipalities. Um, And so kudos to everybody who's involved in that. I'm just just the technical yapper. (laughs) One of the things that's also something that I really would love to explore, and that's the kind of like, how do you kind of be a bit more creative with the programs? But as we haven't done that blue boxing, as I call it, the blue boxing of energy efficiency retrofits, right? Like, you know, when you put your blue box out, you can see in your neighborhood who's like, Who's right. not putting out their blue box? And then you're like, social norms, you know? Like, so you're talking about recycling. Animals. We, we do, you know, we're, we are herd animals. And so if we want to show people what we're doing and the behaviors that we're engaging with, and it's very hard to show off your energy efficiency initiatives. So I think in some ways we got to also, like, I think it would be wonderful. Imagine if we could kind of have, like, maybe some home energy, like, plaques or labels on our home, right? So that you can have people have their addresses, like a climate champion. And depending on different levels, they could be a silver climate champion, a gold climate champion, a platinum climate champion. Or we would find, you know, like I, I think that we kind of, we got to use human nature and social norms to our, to the, to support these programs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's because we, there is not, there's no dearth of, of building science knowledge in this country. There's a lot of very clever, clever people who have done a lot of really clever, deep work um, and who are pushing a lot of stuff forward. So that part we've got, it's translating it into from, from not, not necessarily theoretical, but from very niche, very detail oriented one-offs yeah. and push that out. So it becomes something that contractors understand and know how to do. And it's, Regular knowledge, just like, you know, how many nails do you have to have per, you know, per stud, mm-hmm. for example, um, that it's that kind of straightforward information. And then we, we move past this, this 
bottleneck that's always been there as, as long as I've been in the industry is that, yes, we know how to do it, but not everybody knows how to do it. And and I understand the challenge on this one is like, if you were a contractor and a renovator, you're so busy doing your work. Why would I take time off from paid work to go do training when I'm already full up when I'm doing Mm -hmm. paid work, you know? I can't keep up with it and I can't keep people on on board because I can't get enough enough people on fast enough. So that rolls back to if there is a way that we could say, you don't have to do any sales or marketing on this because we're going to do it this this rollout for this municipally based project yep. program is going to feed you your demand. Here's your, your demand, demand, but yeah. we want to make sure that you're doing absolutely the best job possible in supp- in servicing that demand. Yeah. 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 It's still, there's still a couple of missing pieces. Oh, there's lots. <laughs> we're still building the puzzle, but we're trying to do it. Like we're starting, I think it's starting to kind we of. We lost the picture. Makes, we don't I can assure you it's very out of focus still. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, we'll it's hard not- to know. It's, it's building a brand new market in some ways. Mm-hmm. I mean, the market exists, but it's a niche market. And now what we're trying to do is scale that market up so it's no yeah. longer niche and it's business as usual. And you can be assured that the contractors and renovators who you're doing, get bringing in to do your work are going to do the best they possibly can in terms of energy efficiency. And unintended consequences are something that you don't have to worry about. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes, I was going to start a rant, but we're actually – climbing up to the end of this episode. So I really want to thank you very much for taking the time to talk with me today. It's been great. And I think we will talk again and we'll move things forward bit by bit. So that's our episode for today. And thanks so much for tuning in. And thank you, Gabby. Thank you so much, Shauna. Really fun to be here. Thank you for tuning in. This episode was produced by Blue House Energy, Podcast Atlantic, and Tanya Media. Subscribe and don't miss an episode. Leave a comment. We'd love to hear from you. Until next time.